The following podcast is brought to you by Radio Southland and New Zealand On Air. Radio Southland is a community access media station based in Invercargill, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, radiosouthland.org.nz, for our contact details. Hey, and welcome to Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron. Right here, right now, on Radio South, the 96.4 and Coast Access Radio Capity. Two weekly about cars and drivers, enthusiasts, and the obsessed. And this evening, we can confirm the new Integra, plus uh, new some Toyota, and much more.
crew back on grinding gears with Pete and Aaron on Radio South ninety six point four and Coast Access Radio Copity. It was only a couple weeks ago we hinted, uh, but no one really knew. Now it's looking like it's going to happen. Yeah, Cura has uh, revealed a prototype version of its new Integra, uh, which, from the sound of it, is actually a reskinned Civic Si. Yeah, it was probably uh, good keeping our new Integra expectations in check. But with the cost of car development, uh, the proof will be in the pudding, all right? This new model has been previewed in production-ready prototype form. And while, hey, we're happy it's not some sort of crossover, it's not super groundbreaking either. Yeah, given the footprint, uh, the Integra is as anticipated based on a Civic. The Cura says it has high output uh, 1.5-litre turbo engine, a six-speed manual gearbox, limited slip differential, so... uh, what we have here is basically a Civic SI with a new name, a new look, and a hatchback-style body. Yeah, it's handsome enough for a car dealing with modern crash and pedestrian safety regulations uh, with its frameless diamond pentagon grille and bumper. Brake ducts uh, making for a nicely aggressive front end. Plus the Integra name is embossed under the driver's side headlight and the passenger side rear cluster, which is nice. Yeah, all of this is finished in indie yellow pearl. Uh, Hugh borrowed from uh, the current NSX, which bears some resemblance of the Phoenix yellow paint available on the DC2 Honda Integra Type R. And you can check out um, our Facebook for some pictures. Mm-hmm. Acker has even put a splash of the stuff inside and two exhaust pipes finished with the oversized Bramble brake calipers too. Probably the same ones used in the Civic, you know, Type R perhaps. Yeah. And those reside under matte black uh, 19s wrapped in continental tyres that measure, just as they do on the Civic SI, 235mm wide. Yeah, on the SI chassis improvements, uh, which include increased spring rate, uh, beefier anti-roll bars and bushings taken from the Type R, and they will probably feature two. Uh, one mechanical area that's different from the Civic, however, is the transmission. Yeah, well, the SI is strictly manual only. Yay! The Integra will have an option of an automatic, which will almost certainly be one of those continuously variable or CVT variety. And actually, we have a type of CVT coming after this, but it's not what you think. Yeah, given the relationship uh, with its Honda cousin, it is possible that a Cura Type R might happen. Using the, th- the same 300 brake horsepower 2 litre powertrain that rocks the Civic Type R. So uh, keep those fingers crossed there. Acura has pledged to reveal more about the new Integra closer to its market introduction to the first half of next year. So it'll debut as a 2023 model car here, uh, built uh, on the same Marysville auto plant production line as a TLX, which is some sort of US domestic Honda, sorry Acura, uh, that we don't get here. And thus far Acura is only talking about selling it in the US, but would be surprised if the car doesn't make it to other markets. Yeah, a UK introduction isn't outside the realms of possibility, but we wouldn't bank on it given that uh, a Cura brand doesn't exist there. Uh, when asked by Carthrottle about the possibility of the Integra making it to such shores, uh, Honda UK said it had nothing to comment on the matter. Hmm. No, back to CVT, but yeah, we ain't talking about the transmission. Yep, there's another CVT that is for cars, and it might be the secret to improving the supercharger. Yeah, developed by British transmission manufacturer Toro Track, this new device promises to be quieter than Roots-type supercharger and cooler than a turbocharger. 
Yep, it's no continuously variable transmission, but rather one working on a compressor to improve engine performance. Indeed, the British transmission specialist has cleverly inserted a CVT in series with a conventional plantary gear set drive a centrifugal compressor at sufficient speed to boost the intake pressure in both gasoline and diesel motors. Uh, weighing just under 6 kilograms, the, in the experimental configuration, Toro Track's V-Charge compressor is spun by a belt connected to the engine's accessory drive system. The Toro Dial CVT, con- consisting of uh, specially shaped driving and driven discs spinning without direct contact, is located just behind the input drive pulley. Then, an electromechanical servo can switch the CVT drive through its full 10 to 1 ratio spread in only 0.4 of a second. Next after that, the, inside the V-charge housing is that fixed planetary gear set, which multiplies shaft speed by a factor of 9. At the end of the shaft, a centrifugal compressor is surrounded by housing that sucks filtered air out of the atmospheric pressure and delivers it at boosted pressure to the engine's intake manifold. Quieter than a Roots-type supercharger, cooler than any turbocharger, the V-charge spins between 10,000 and 100,000 RPM. The servo control only needs 10 watts of electrical power to operate, so unlike electrically powered superchargers, a 48-volt system isn't actually required. Yeah, backed by the British government in a collaboration with both universities of Bath and the Ford Motor Company, Torotrack spent more than a year developing this booster. But instead of manufacturing it in-house, Torotrack would prefer to license its V-Charge technology to either a carmaker or... Some auto industry supply. Mm, sounds rather intriguing. I wonder who'll pick up the flag. Coming up next, so we've got Toyota and, of course, Tesla time, so keep those ears screwed on.
Welcome back to Grinding Gears. We are Pete and Aaron, bringing you the car news and reviews every week from Radio South 96.4 and Coast Access Radio Capity. And kicking back in with Toyota, who reckons some countries just simply aren't ready for electric cars. Uh, one of this week's biggest stories was the reveal of an agreement document from the United Nations COP26 climate change talks currently being undertaken in the UK. Uh, the document invited car manufacturers, governments and individual cities to sign a non-binding pledge to stop the sale and production of new internal combustion engine vehicles by at least 2040, and it included several noteworthy signatories. Yep, New Zealand was among the countries to sign the pledge, giving us the first real sign that the government is seriously considering introducing a local ban. Ford, uh, GM, Daimler and Mercedes-Benz were among the other significant brands to sign the deal too. Now, after reportedly considering signing the document initially before opting out of it, Japanese firm Toyota has offered a reason why it didn't put its name down to make the pledge. In a statement to Reuters, a Toyota spokesperson said that certain continents aren't ready for zero-emission vehicles, noting this is one of the brand's biggest reasons for not joining the likes of Ford in this uh, COP26 pledge. The spokesperson noted that Toyota is ready to accelerate and help to support with the appropriate zero emissions vehicles before detailing the manufacturer's official. But, but <laughs> however, in many areas of the world, such as Asia, Africa, Middle East, an environment suitable for promoting zero emission transport has not yet been established. I think it will take more time to make progress. Thus, it is difficult to commit to the joint statement at this stage. It's no secret that Toyota is behind a lot of other brands when it comes to plug-in development. Having pioneered the HEV via its groundbreaking Prius in the late 1990s, Toyota only offers a handful of plug-in hybrid options, and only last month debuted its first electric car, the BZ4X. That's a bit of a catchy name, yeah? Mm, yeah, we'll forget that. And it's been speculated that another reason why Toyota is shy to throw its significant presence behind plug-in vehicles is the lack of popularity and uptake of actually plug-in vehicles in Japan, both among customers and manufacturers. Example, just 14,604 EVs were sold in Japan in 2020, a far cry from the reported 1 million EVs sold in China that same year. Yeah, there are many ideas uh, as, as to why plugins are not popular in Japan. Some have noted brands that are shy to commit to them because they would spoil their existing supply chain and subsequent cost to the industry jobs. Yeah, you've got to be careful with those supply chains at the moment, oh, don't you? yeah. Japanese manufacturers have also historically lobbied against EVs, with the Japanese Automobile Manufacturers Association, or JAMA, most notice, notably uh, rallying against the proposed local ICE ban by 2030, forcing the country's government to actually backtrack that announcement. It is the time now, though. And this week we've seen that the future Tesla cars will use their batteries for shell structure uh, to increase range and reduce costs. Tesla battery packs will become structurally integral. Mm, battery packs in current Teslas are mounted on the floor of the cars, but they're not structural parts of the chassis. That could eventually change, and at its battery day event last week, Tesla detailed its plans to halve the cost per kilowatt hour of its batteries. To help achieve that goal, the automaker is rethinking how it builds cars in the future. Yeah, well, Crown Master Chief Elon hmm. said the company has commissioned the world's largest stamping machine. 
Eventually, it'll be used to make massive single-piece stampings for the front and rear of the chassis, uh, while a battery pack filled with Tesla's new uh, 4680 cells will uh, make up the centre section. I must argue that this is a significant as aircraft moving from separate fuel tanks to tanks that are integrated within the wings. It's a major breakthrough, he reckons. We're doing the same for cars. Yeah, since the cells themselves provide structure, there won't be any extra material in the battery adding weight without contributing uh, to energy capacity. Uh, Musk also said that this design allows the cell to be packaged closer to the centre of the vehicle, which increases safety in a side impact and lowers the polar movement of inertia, uh, which should give the car a more agile feel. Yep, the cells will apparently be adhered to the top and bottom sheets with a free flame retardant structural adhesive, which, uh, which you probably want with those batteries sometimes, uh, which Musk reckons uh, provides incredible rigidity. So much rigidity that if you were to build a convertible uh, based around this sort of chassis, it'd actually be stiffer than a conventional car. That's what Musk is referencing when he says regular car. Pfft, who knows? Yeah, this new approach to chassis design is part of Tesla's goal of reducing cost per kilowatt hour of battery capacity by half. That's why the company is designing and building its own cells in-house. Doing so, Tesla says, uh, will help make electric vehicles more affordable and increasing driving range. And that, in turn... Uh, that will get more drivers into electric cars and away from internal combustion. Well, don't tell the Japanese that. And you've got to kind of wonder what would happen in the event of a collision. Even from panel beaters' point of view, where the heck would you begin? Oh, I don't know. Well, better make sure you got some of that Tesla insurance, huh? And that's us for another one this week. So remember, don't be a dick. Make it click.
The preceding podcast was brought to you by Radio Southland with the support of New Zealand On Air. Their funding of accessmedia.nz makes these podcasts available. To find similar programs by other stations involved, go online to accessmedia.nz. 